Welcome to Mortification of Spin, Bully Pulpit, a casual conversation about things that count. With Carl Truman, Todd Pruitt, and Amy Bird. Mortification of Spin is a weekly podcast from the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. Listening to a sermon. It's something a Christian should do weekly, but do we always do it well? On this bully pulpit, the hosts take a stab at answering that question. At the end of the podcast, we'll tell you how to download an MP3 from the Alliance. Well, welcome to Mortification of Spin. We're actually uh, filming on location at uh, Todd's Church today. Amy and I have been struggling with uh, insomnia for a couple of months now, and somebody recommended coming along and hearing Todd preach as a possible way of getting over that. I have to say, I've not had such a good, deep, long sleep for the past 45, It's been about a half hour or so, and I've I've doodled a a wonderful picture of my dream house and my grocery list. I'm very happy for the both of you. I would say, (laughs) when I think of Todd preaching, soporific is the word that comes (laughs) straight to mind. Um, it's like it's like verbal tamazepam, if I could put it that way. So, but it it does raise the question of of how should one listen to preaching? How should one even listen to bad preaching like Todd's? Yeah, is, is, is there a, a way to, to approach or? it? Um, oh. We're just going to get all this in and remember yeah. it later. But there's a lot written about how to preach. A lot of us mm-hmm. people talk about what a good sermon should look like, how to construct a good sermon, how to execute a passage. It's not so much written on how bit. to listen to a sermon. There's a little bit. There's a nice little booklet by Christopher Ash. Mm-hmm. Uh, but very little, yeah. Yeah, but most people, of course, are listening to sermons, not writing them. Right. And so it would seem that, that reflecting for a, for a while on, on how one should listen mm-hmm. appropriately to a sermon. Yeah. It's a, right a good thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, you know, one one thought that that I tend to have on on Sunday mornings as as I think through, you know, before you get up there and and preach, you, you know, you're praying for your congregation. You're just asking the Lord to really do good work through His Word. But but one of the things that I that I'm jealous for the folks that I preach to to understand is that what's getting ready to happen is that a sermon properly prepared, we understand, a sermon that, that truly is biblical, um, is a means that God uses um, to speak to his people, to nourish his people, to convict of sin, to bring to faith. And so I, I, I'm jealous for them to understand, you know, Romans 10, um, faith comes by hearing. I'm jealous for them to understand that that what's getting ready to happen is, is in a sense, God addressing his people so that it's actually um, an important moment not not because of the preacher, but because of how God has chosen to use the proclamation of his word um, in their lives. Because so many of the voices out there are telling our people that that preaching is not effective anymore. We need to have new words to, or, or new forms to, um, to, to reach folks. Preaching is passe. But, I mean, it was passe in Paul's day, wasn't it? It's not, it, it, it's, as far as... Uh, preaching seemed to be a, a rather foolish thing to Paul as well. Well, certainly in the letter of Corinthians, Paul is taking a lot of flack for the fact that his his preaching is not up to the the aesthetic standards right. of the day. Yeah. So yeah, I think Paul's preaching was not outwardly impressive mm-hmm. by the standards they did not conform to the canons of what you were meant to do right. well, if you to influence a crowd. Right. 
I think we often think of of hearing as a passive thing, mm-hmm. like we're just to sit there and then magically the means of grace is happening, and um, it's a very like our role as congregants is a passive role. Yeah. But um, we see that hearing is a command, and there's a d- big difference too. I'm always telling my children this when I'm trying to tell talk to them. You might be listening, but you're not hearing yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. And Sorry, Amy. I was, I was only <laughs> Shut up, Carl. <laughs> yeah, that's a great point. And, and that, that comes down to, I mean, some really practical things, I think, that, that churches can do to communicate the importance of the preached word and, and to help people listen actively. I think there's some real basic things, you know, that... Very basic things. Yeah, like one, one thing we do that I, I really appreciated when I came to Covenant, one thing they do is that they send out an email on Friday or Saturday mm-hmm. to everybody in the church um, that tells them what's going to be happening that Sunday. It go, This is the text of Scripture. Here are some thoughts about the content of that text, um, some words about the, some of the songs we'll be uh, singing, and... Preparation. I, I, it is. It's a way to say, let's go in, hearts prepared, minds ready, knowing what the text is, knowing what mm-hmm. kind of the central themes are. Let's be ready for that. And I've been real helped by that, encouraged that, that our folks are, are, are receiving that mm-hmm. as a way of preparation. I think posture has something to do with it, too. I see this with my, with my children. Mm-hmm. I have to teach them to be good hearers of the word. And so I always say to them, sit up straight. Yeah. You know, not this kind of, or laying around on the mm-hmm. pew kind of thing. And make eye contact with the pastor. Um, and then be actively thinking about what they're saying and connecting that to other parts of scripture right. or to your own personal experiences. Ask some questions mm-hmm. in your mind. Um, those are all ways to I try to prepare my children to learn to be active listeners yeah. to the sermon. But, you know, you see in Hebrews as well, um, which is a sermon letter, mm-hmm. um, beginning of chapter 2, therefore we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. Mm-hmm. And that's a constant um, command throughout Hebrews. And then he he gets mad there, and he says, you know, about this, we have much to say, and it's hard to explain, since you've become dull of hearing. This is chapter 5, verse 11. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles mm-hmm. of God. So here he's saying, you know, you've been sitting under the preached yeah. word. You should know this stuff. You've been hearing you it, but you haven't really been listening to you've it. You've been you listening, been, and yep. you haven't been hearing. Right, really. right. Is that, which way does it go? Which, either know. way, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, you're not, you're not taking this in. Mm-hmm. You're not meditating on it. You're not being diligent in the word of God, mm-hmm. yeah. which the confession tells us to be. Mm-hmm. Right, Carl? Yeah, I was just looking at larger catechism, question 160, as one does. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> what is required of those that hear the word preached? It is required of those that hear the word preached that they attend upon it with diligence, preparation, and prayer. Examine what they hear by the scriptures, Receive the truth with faith, love, meekness, and readiness of mind as the word of God. Meditate and confer of it, hide it in their hearts, mm. and bring forth the fruit of it in their lives. Yeah. That's a beautifully comprehensive statement. Mm-hmm. Uh, so listening to the word, you've got to prepare for it. Mm-hmm. You don't just come along and, and sit down and expect the, the, the preacher to inject information into your head. Yeah. You have to prepare <laughs> your heart for receiving it. You're to search the scriptures to see that these things are so. But with an attitude of trust. Right. If you've called a man and you trust him to preach the word, then you're not going in assuming he's a heretic right. and trying to find proof text to prove that he's a heretic. You're assuming he's giving you the truth, but you're judiciously checking what he mm-hmm. says, 
by Scripture so that you're constantly being drawn back into the Word, yeah. back into the Word of Scripture. You're meant to meditate on it, confer on it. You're meant to think about it after the sermon's mm-hmm. over, mm-hmm. chat to other friends about it, and then you're meant to store it in your hearts and, and, and bring forth the fruit of it in your life. You're meant to go out and do things yeah. because of it. Now, I would want to add one little qualification to that, and one thing that I've come up Is a number of times— no, I don't want to qualify the confession, but one of the pastoral questions I some get, sometimes get asked by students and even by congregants is, you know, I don't remember many sermons. Students yeah. will come to me and say, you know, I, I, I've heard hundreds of sermons, but I don't remember mm-hmm. many sermons. And that can be a, a perplexing thing for people. I would say that the larger catechism there isn't pointing to the fact that we need to remember sermons. Mm-hmm. I went to a school where I was taught Latin from the age of 11 or 12 by an excellent Latin teacher. I can now read Latin pretty mm-hmm. pretty straightforwardly. I cannot remember a single Latin lesson. Right. I mean, I know it was there. I remember the room. I remember what the teacher looked like. I don't remember any specific Latin That's a, lesson. That's a good analogy. But my mind has been shaped to right. be able to read Latin. And I think that listening to preaching is a bit like that. Mm-hmm. We shouldn't get too hung up on not being able to remember specific sermons. Obviously, there are some sermons that are always rem- memorable. You know, I remember the first time I heard you preach, Todd, first time I'd slept through an entire service <laughs> undisturbed. It's fantastic. But there are certain sermons that will stick in our minds. But by and large, it's not by hiding these things in our heart, it's not that we're developing a back catalogue of memorized sermons or memorized points. Right. Right. We're taking the truth of those sermons and allowing them incrementally, slowly but mm-hmm. surely, through the Spirit over time, yeah. to shape our characters. They shape us. And to shape we're us. Shaped by them. To shape our beliefs, to refine us, mm-hmm. to prepare us for, for eternity. Right. So I would say that with all of our emphasis on the importance of listening mm-hmm. actively to sermons, let's not get too hung up about remembering specific mm-hmm. sermons. Yeah, I think, that's a great, I think that's a great illustration. And to be reminded again that it's, it's – you know, I, I was so happy. One of, one of the happy things about becoming Presbyterian was was this category of means of grace, and and to understand and to help people understand that it's under the preaching of the word that God does so much good work in us. And and again, it's not in that mem- you know you're able to memorize the points of a particular sermon, but what He's doing is He's opening up the word to you. Um, the word is you're becoming enculturated to the word of God. The Spirit is sealing the gospel yeah. on your yeah. heart each and, and we're to be engaged in that. We're not just going through the motions, mm-hmm. but we are to have that readiness as yeah. we come to listen and, and be engaged in the Word of God being preached to us. Yeah. And, um, and that makes a, a big difference. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and this is how God has always assembled his people and spoken to his people, um, by bringing them together under one who pronounces the Word of God to them. Uh, you know, preaching... Uh, is not an invention of the Enlightenment era. Uh, this is how God has always brought his people together to address them and to teach them and to form them through the proclamation of his word. And that's one of the things I try to re- remind our folks periodically on Sunday mornings is, remember, what we're getting ready to do is something that God has been calling his people to for thousands of years now. It's a great privilege. This act. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it connects to daily Bible reading. I know that in certain Presbyterian circles, sadly, there's a lot of mockery of yeah. private quiet times. Right. And I certainly would not want to judge somebody's piety by whether they have a quiet time every day or not. But I think it is of an, you know, it's always an advantage to know more of the Word of God than less of the Word of God. <laughs> right. So the more we read it, yeah. the better it is. 
the more we read of the Word of God during the week, the more our hearts are being shaped and formed by it for proper reception of the proclamation of the Word of God, which I think is the central mm-hmm. act of Christian mm-hmm. piety yeah. on a Sunday, um, the more we're being prepared for it. Yeah. So those who deride the quiet time, you know, I know you're, you're, you're having a swipe at, you know, evangelical pietism sure. well frankly it's a sound thing that the word pietism is seen as a negative right. in, in many places there is such a right. thing as piety and there is such a thing as equipping yourself with the word of God mm-hmm. for the better reception of the word of God yeah. in the public worship of the yeah. word yeah and I would just encourage pastors and elders to to explain these things to, mm-hmm. to their flock because yeah. particularly you know if, if they're coming out of a typical evangelical church no one's ever taught them exactly why we're doing this in the first place, why we listen to preaching in the first place. So explain it to your churches, help them with some, some tools, let them know in advance what you're going to be preaching on. Uh, You know, we, we, we have printed up sermon notes that I do for our church every week and have uh, generally we'll have a, a section of discussion questions that maybe they can do over lunch together. Just those kinds of things to help them continue to, to kind of meditate on that passage of scripture. So just, do all we can to help them be good hearers. That is, of course, predicated on the fact that you've got your sermon done by Friday, whereas some of us uh, are still working on our sermons at quarter past nine on Sunday morning. (laughs) And Carl, having heard you preach, it does sound a little bit like you've just thrown it together. (laughs) Anyway. Yeah, and I don't have people like you. I I, I am my people, unfortunately. So, Well, anyway, anyway, Todd, if you could get back up in the pulpit there, I think Amy and I could uh, do with a little bit more rest before we go home. So uh, if you want to start expanding the word to us, we will get a little bit of uh, shut eye here so thank you very much for joining the mortification of spin uh, please join us and fall asleep again next time in the interim visit our website mortificationofspin.org wake up wake up Susie wake up Thanks for listening to Mortification of Spin, Bully Pulpit, a podcast of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. The Alliance is a coalition of pastors, scholars, and churchmen who hold the historical creeds and confessions of the Reformed faith and who proclaim biblical doctrine in order to foster a Reformed awakening in today's church. Make sure to visit our website, mortificationofspin.org, to download the MP3 message, How to Listen to a Bad Sermon by Ligon Duncan. Next time, we'll find out what verse Carl's referencing and its impact on the church. Today, we want to talk about the implications of the most incomprehensible verse in the Bible. Uh, It isn't one that you'll find in the more obscure passages in Daniel or Revelation. It's actually one that you find in Paul's pastoral epistles, specifically his first letter to Timothy. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to visit mortificationofspin.org to download your MP3. So allow us to make a shameless but enthusiastic, truly enthusiastic plug for a great new resource that's out there called Theology on the Go. It is a podcast um, that deals with, well, theology, right? And we are happy to lend our enthusiastic recommendation 
to Theology on the Go. Actually, we have Jonathan Master sitting with us here right now. Jonathan, say something about this great resource. Yeah, really excited about it. Uh, following in the wake of the resounding success of Mortification of Spin, <laughs> we oh, are riding uh, re- our coattails. Yep, trying to <laughs> as best I can. And it's a little different in format. It's one guest and pretty short, about 10 minutes long, and, and dealing with one theological topic per episode. Do you have any clever women from West Virginia? Do, Are there you know? clever women in West Virginia? <laughs> Are the women in West Virginia? <laughs> all right, we we have just lost all our subscribers from West Virginia. Co-hosts. I think that actually is the secret to the mortification of spin <laughs> formula, and so I'm 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 looking for it. So any, any listeners who have suggestions on that that front, <laughs> Jonathan, where can people go to listen to this podcast? The two places to get it right now are placefortruth.org, which was one of the Alliance sites, which also has all kinds of really excellent regular content. Mm-hmm. And the other place you can get it is iTunes. Mm-hmm. So you can download it, you can subscribe, and uh, should be available every two weeks. There's a new episode that comes out. Mm-hmm. And it's only Do- 10 minutes, so it's kind of like, you know, you great, can... Great way to redeem part of the commute. Or, you know, just through a cup of coffee. Absolutely. Drinking your morning coffee, 10 minutes. do you have a guy with a pretentious English accent? Yeah, that's the other thing on the list. Those guys are are, are tougher to come by than you'd think. Um, Expensive. Expensive. Yeah, that's the other thing is the budget hasn't quite uh, reached that point yet. Todd soaks up all of our budget. He has so many high demands. He's high maintenance. Mm -hmm. I don't normally plug anything, Jonathan, unless I receive cash in advance. Uh, right. I notice that you haven't given me cash in advance, but for old time's sake, I'm happy to say this is an excellent resource. Jonathan, I would be happy to make an appearance, perhaps uh, hair care for the balding. Okay, I'd yeah. be happy to, uh, to do yeah. an episode on that or how to deal with the grief of balding. Questions mm-hmm. about God's justice for the balding, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. It, it, done. Done. Okay. I mean, I think that's a, that's a wide open field. <laughs> wide sure. open. Yep. <laughs> do you have a particular constituency you're pitching for? I mean, we pitch for the bald and the better right who are you, who right. Are you pitching for you know i don't know but i think uh what amy said earlier is really true we we did think of it in terms of people's morning commute just mm-hmm. a brief period of time in fact i heard from a guy just this morning just about an hour ago and he said it's the perfect length for my drive into work so great. so that's the kind of thing we were thinking of that's the kind of thing we had in mind and, and the idea was this that there are some theological topics that people have maybe heard of or a little bit familiar with, and this will take them maybe an extra step beyond introduction to uh, telling them more about it and introducing them to some resources that might be helpful. Excellent. Theology on wheels. Theology on wheels. Yeah. Yep. Well, I hope that you will take that to heart. Please do listen to Theology on the Go. It's a great resource, great thing to to add to your uh, daily routine, your your weekly commute. And uh, Jonathan Master, you knew where to come. This plug is going to get you guys all kinds of exposure. I'll take my payment in the form of a 1.75 liter bottle. Yeah. <laughs> of Miller Genuine Draft. I'll give you my bank details before you leave. Done. Done. Thank you, guys. I've drunk like half a gallon of granular coffee. Um, Granular coffee. Give that over to Satan. (laughs) Granular coffee.